What is up, you guys? This is Henry Perret, a.k.a. Rooster. This is Patrick Ross Campisi. And this is Comfortably on Fire. How are you doing today, Patrick? I'm doing well, man. It's a beautiful day. We're sitting outside. How about yourself? Dude, I'm doing well. I mean, I just got some crawfish. Uh, I can't complain. Good Louisiana Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Guys, we wanted to start off the show with kind of introducing ourselves, telling us, telling y'all a little bit of backstory about us um and then we'll kind of get into a few topics so pat you want to start yeah so i am originally from louisiana born and raised and uh went to some if you're from louisiana from baton rouge more specifically went to catholic high then i went to lsu for school um started off in kinesiology and then just finished in general studies and among other things i am a realtor in baton rouge also play music was a personal trainer for a little bit, uh, worked a few odd jobs here and there, and yeah, I'm just looking to make some money this year. Hell yeah, man. How about you, Peter? <laughs> Peter? <laughs> Henry. <laughs> yeah, all right, my new name's Pete now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah basically the same backstory. Uh, Baton Rouge, born and raised, went to Catholic High, um, started in LSU, uh, did finance for a while, um, and... I worked at a few bars around Tigerland. Then, uh, then I decided, hey, this isn't what I want to do. So I started and uh, started my nursing degree at the begin at the fall semester of 2021 at Nichols State University. Um, worked a couple jobs around LSU while I was there. Nothing too big. I mean, pizza shops, stuff like that. Um, Patrick and I actually also played music back in the Dizay. That is right. Yeah. So uh, y'all should go check that out. Um, we had a good time doing that. But I am um, I am currently trying to get into my nursing, my clinical nursing program. So hopefully in October, I'll start doing that. Um, and that's about it on me, man. Yeah. So what would you say we're doing this podcast for, just so they know? So... I was kind of, uh, I was actually on a walk one day and I was listening to Andy Frisella's podcast, Real AF. Uh, if y'all haven't heard of it, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's absolutely awesome. Andy Frisella's a beast. But um, so I was on my walk and I was listening to it and I was talking about certain leadership qualities and everything like that. And I was like, dude, I feel like there's just a lot of garbage out there. Um, and it's kind of hard to pick through and everything like that especially for people our age that haven't been through, like we're just starting, right? Yeah. Um, we're getting thrown into the fire. Uh, and we we really are just trying to get the, the skills necessary down to succeed and get to where we want to go. So I was thinking, I was like, man, we should make a podcast um, where we're talking about the things we're trying to do. Uh, I would say we're particularly driven guys. Mm -hmm. um, we spend every single day just doing as much as we can to better ourselves and develop our work ethic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the moves that we're making, um, whether they're right or wrong or otherwise, we're going to talk about why we're making those moves, um, different changes in the stock market, what we've learned, what we have yet to learn and the things that we're currently learning. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What do you think, Pat? So for me, you know, just like he said, <clears throat> excuse me, 
like you said, we're both relatively driven people looking to try and make our names in the business world. And most of the podcasts, books, YouTube channels, everything that I, all the information that I take in, all these people are 40, 50 years old. Some of them are in the 30s, but they're all successful business people who have made it to the top. And now they're saying, hey, this is this is how I got there, right. which is great because that, that gives us a shortcut, if you will. We don't have to wait those 15 years to try and get to that point. But it's seldom, I don't believe I've ever seen anyone, any podcast or YouTube channel that documents it as it happens. Right. Right. So like you said, we're kind of thrown into the fire, hence the name of the podcast. Yeah. You know, we've we've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, comfortable with being in the fire. And granted, we don't know everything. We know a few things. We've we've been around the block. We've lived, <laughs> but we don't know everything, and we're trying to figure that out. Some things are going to work out great. Some things are not going to be so great. But as long as we can document that, I think it'll just be a good journey for us to look back in ten years and see, hey, man. On April twenty fifth, twenty twenty one, we started this podcast, and it's now five years later, and we're killing it. Yeah, this know? is where we are now. Exactly. You know? Yeah, dude. I, I I really loved kind of talking about what we're gonna name the podcast. Uh, just having that conversation with you about um, what we ideal like, what we idealize the the podcast as. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think we're a couple of guys that, uh, and we know a couple of guys for sure. Uh, that have a fire lit under our ass oh, yeah. and comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, always performing under pressure, always going to that next thing to get better every single day. Yeah, and I, like you said, there's different ways we can interpret the title Comfortably on Fire, and that's really up to each person. For us, for me at least, it was being comfortable, being uncomfortable. The, your point of view from that was having that fire under your ass and you just keep going no matter what. You're always driven to do something. You got to have both of them. Yeah. You got to have both. So, let's get into the next segment of this podcast here. Hell yeah. Which one of those topics do you want to start off with? Um, so, for those of y'all listening, I came up with a few ideas. Um, we, so, Pat and I read a lot, and, uh, and we find a lot of really cool correlations between the books that we're reading. Uh, and the really cool thing is that you can tell which of the principles these books are talking about are particularly important because different authors are talking about the same thing. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about was I've read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Richard Kiyosaki, which I highly recommend. It is Robert it, Kiyosaki. Robert. No, <laughs> my bad. Rich, Richard, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I, I, if I can interject, that is a fantastic book, but also all of his books are great. I've yeah. read... a handful of them and i listen to his podcast i watch his youtube channel i mean it's you can really learn a lot if you're new to investments if you're new to real estate if you're new to just trying to get good in business but if you're experienced you can still learn a lot you know yeah. you can never stop learning so i definitely highly highly recommend robert kiyosaki yeah my bad <laughs> um yeah actually i got to check out some of his other books yeah. uh, i remember reading about that in rich dad poor dad mm-hmm. um i forget what the next like the grade he he says it's a there's a next book up, like Rich Dad Poor Dad is basic training, and then you have a a little like furthered. I can't discussion the on exact that. one, but I've read the book Fake, and again, highly recommend it. It's a fantastic book. Um, yeah, just to learn the basics and the the intricacies of investments in real estate, stocks, bonds, gold, commodities, everything. Dude, absolutely, I gotta check that out. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so Rich Dad Four Dad, um, I found a really good correlation to the book um, Richest Man in Babylon, which came out in the early 1900s, but is set in the Babylonian times, which is about 500 years be- before Christ. Is that right, Patrick? Something like that. Yeah, I'm almost positive it's that. It's Babylon, so it's old. Um, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, they explain it at the beginning of the book, and I'm pretty sure that's what they said. But um, from there, page 81, it says, Wise indeed is he who investeth his treasures under the advice of men skilled in the ways of gold. So basically he's saying, make sure you're investing with people that already have a well-established portfolio and are investing wisely and making good returns off of their investments versus if you relate it to what Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about, what Robert talks about, uh, <laughs> you're, you really want to invest with somebody not necessarily who has a doctorate in finance, but someone who or a real estate or um, anything like of the sort, you want to invest with somebody who has been around the block and actually succeeded in everything that you're trying to do. You're trying to learn from them or entrust your money with them, right? You want a financial advisor who hit 100% profits. Somebody's um, got experience. Exactly. And has a track record that actually shows, hey, I know what I'm talking about. Because you could be the smartest. You can have as many doctors, degrees, everything that you want. But if you don't have the results to back up what you're saying, I wouldn't trust right. you. Dude, I mean, and that goes for everything, right? Exactly. Well, that that's a fantastic correlation with the richest man in Babylon and then, like you were saying, with Rich Dad Poor Dad, that can be applied across the board. You know, it, people in your life, if they're not working, if they're not working to try and make themselves a better person, why would you be spending time with them? Absolutely. You know, we're on that journey where, hey, we're shooting for the stars. You know, we if we're hanging around with people who are comfortable being where they're at, that that's going to bleed over into our lives as well. Yeah. Like that famous adage, you are the, what is it, the average of the five people you hang out with. That's applied in both personality and your drive as a person and motivation, and also in your finances. Yeah. Same thing. Don't tr- I wouldn't trust my money with somebody who doesn't know, who, who can't back up what they're trying to say. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't want to trust your money with somebody who's going to go blow it at the club or just say, Oh, this is totally it. They use 100% of your money for speculation. Now, I will to to throw in there. Speculation. Well, how about you give us a definition of that? Cuz but at, when I first started investing, I thought I was investing, but it really turned out to be speculation. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. When I when I looked at the definition, I was like, "Oh, wait. I'm not actually investing." Even though you put money in the stock market, people think, "Oh, you invest in the stock market, you just throw money in there." That's not not exactly the same. Investing requires due diligence. Right. If I recall. Intelligence uh, requires hard work and actually looking into the value of the businesses that mm-hmm. you're investing in. Um, and this is coming. This is based off of the definitions from Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Um, that's more of what investing is. It's looking at the value of a business, um, their growth, what they're actually contributing to society and saying, man, I want to put my money with that company and I want to see them grow. So not only do you believe, you believe in what you're investing in. Mm-hmm. So if it ends up uh, not winning, you're still okay with it because you know you rooted for the thing that you truly believe in is really kind of the, the end goal of value investing in my own opinion. Okay. Um, whereas speculation is more, oh man, I really think the uh, 
I really think the airline industry is going to go up and uh, everything on the stock, like on the graphs and everything is starting to really shoot up. Um, I'm going to put my money in there. Yeah. Um, it's more looking at, it's more technical analysis um, like you're talking about. Which can work at times. Absolutely. It can. It's just more risky. Exactly. So I take it you're familiar with Dogecoin. Dogecoin. You've never heard of Dogecoin? I've heard of that. Dogecoin is a meme crypto based off of the meme of the Doge, the dog. And uh, I guess the beginning of this year, at a couple hundred dollars, I mean, you know what? It was two cents a share, or whatever, a coin, if you will. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw some money and speculate. Yeah. It did all right, because last week, I think it was, Dogecoin hit like 42 cents. I'm like, or yeah, 37, 42, something like that. And I was like, hey, hey. that's a good speculation. Yeah. yeah but my... If you look at it, my risk reward to that, what's my loss? Two hundred dollars. My upside is infinite. I don't mind possibly losing two hundred to have an infinite upside. Now, if I'm if I'm throwing ten thousand dollars into the the market, well, now I'm going to be a little bit more cautious and be intelligent about how right. I spend my money. Yeah. So, like I said, speculation can work, but it's a lot riskier. Yeah. You know, it. it you just don't know what what's going to happen with that money. Mm-hmm. Um. You're more looking at the uh, the symbols on the their ticker symbols, yeah. Instead of you know what the company is actually doing, which is again not. I mean, if you it, like like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. If you look back, well, I w- if I would have bought Bitcoin at ten dollars a coin, if I would have bought Amazon when it was forty two dollars, yeah, you'd be riding pretty well, yeah. But you don't know that when Bitcoin is ten dollars and Amazon is forty two dollars, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. So you just got to be as intelligent as possible and as cautious as possible. Unless you want to risk your money. I'm not telling yeah. you. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not telling you how to spend your money. Yeah. But for me personally, I'd like to see that bank account grow rather than shrink. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Everybody wants more of that coin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, talking about intelligent investor, uh, something really cool about that, which talking about speculation, um, they do give... They, Benjamin Graham actually talks about, hey, basically he says, look, we get speculations a lot of fun mm-hmm. um, and we get the rewards that you can get from there, but we recommend that you don't go over, uh, it's between 10 and 25%. Of your portfolio? Of your portfolio okay. in, um, in speculation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 10 to 20%, 25% of your money in stock. So out of your whole investment portfolio, okay. 10 to 25% of your stock, okay. right? Um, but talking more about intelligent investor, I am a big statistics guy. Mm-hmm. Like I just kind of think that way. Um, I'm really interested in it. Well, things numbers don't lie. Or, exactly. I mean, for the most part, they don't lie. You, you can manipulate numbers, but for the most part, if you are diligently doing your research and keep getting the same numbers over and over again, nine times out of 10, you're going to be right. Right. Um, that that's what's so exciting to me. I think about uh statistics is that it gives you a better shot at predicting the future. Mm. Um, and intelligent investor actually talks a little bit about that. Um, and they give they give a couple financial approaches or um, what's the word um, like statistical approaches to stocks, stock investing when it talks about um. Benjamin Graham talks about looking at the S&P 500 and making a ratio between that and average corporate profits over the past 10 years. And you'll actually be able to find a good forecast for what is to come. 
So if your value is uh, well over 20, then that's a negative for- forecast. You're expecting the stock market to drop. Okay. Um, whereas if the value is under 10, then you're expecting it to rise up. So I'm actually about to start uh, applying that and see how well it can really work. It's just going to yeah. take time to do that. But I thought that was really cool to yeah. check out. They have all sorts of stuff in there. They have the Gordon equation. Um, well, even like you were – so when you say forecast, could you liken that to like a weather forecast that I right, well, we think it's going to go this way, but – there could be a slight change. Dude, and it's not 100%. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So uh, in any investment, you w- it's very rare that you will have 100% guarantee of it going one way or the other. Yeah. There's always going to be some kind of risk. There's going to be some kind of variable in that. From what I've learned so far, the only way to 100% know that your principal is always going to be there mm-hmm. is to have a lockbox in your own home where you keep cash. Well, actually, with inflation... That's going down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you don't need to have it then. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that, but that is a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to, I guess, interject in, into these topics. A lot of this stuff we're going to be doing in this podcast is going to be reviews of books that we've read or are currently reading or maybe even would like to read um, in addition to what we're actively applying. So like I'm in real estate. I'm tracking the market every single day, every single week, every month, nationally and locally to Louisiana. And any information that I get from that, I'm going to be throwing in here right. as well. And then uh, likewise for you with the stock market, whatever you get from that. Yeah. You know? So it's going to be a little bit of everything. Yeah. Just get, I mean, we're young guys getting our start and we're trying to figure out what we're comfortable with and mm-hmm. get our get our feet wet and everything. So yeah. just learning the lessons that we're trying to learn. Exactly. But you said uh, you're... You're a realtor, right, Pat? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, I got licensed as a realtor in 2019, but I was still in school, so I wasn't actively practicing that. I'm at Keller Williams Red Stick Partners in Baton Rouge off of Blue Bonnet. And uh, in 2020, when I graduated, which was a great year to graduate college, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I graduated in August, and I just jumped in feet first and you know, definitely learned my lessons, uh, it, especially feet starting first. in the middle of a, of a pandemic. Right. Feet, you know, feet first, head first, one or the other. Um, <laughs> Whichever one it yeah. is. Uh, I learned my lesson and, you know, in the middle of a pandemic when people are worried about catching a pretty, it can be deadly to yeah. a lot of people, catching a disease or a virus, um, it's difficult to go through a business where you need to be meeting people. You need to be interacting with people. So yeah. I had to definitely change how I thought I was going to approach real estate to a more social social media-based, online, virtually-based business. And now that we're kind of opening back up, I get to go to where I my strong suit is, going out and meeting people, networking right. in person. Right. So even if uh, from my own like outside uh, perspective on it, you're when I think about people who have been doing it for 30 years mm-hmm. – and they're having to adjust to um, the climate with COVID and everything yeah. like that and how to still make their companies uh, make a profit. Um, it's kind of interesting to see like a younger person's approach going into that um, saying, okay, I haven't done this yet. Um, I've learned how to do it, but now I'm going to start off with a completely different way to approach yeah. it and we'll see how the market changes. And Well, like and, I said, when I first started out, I thought, I had that antiquated 
mindset of, you know, you, you go out and you just meet people. You could do door knocking. Well, door knocking isn't necessarily accepted now. It right. might, be, might be now, but when I first started, it was still in the middle of the pandemic. So a lot of people were, don't come touch me, don't come near me, stay six feet away. And there's, there's a lot of distance and a barrier, a non-physical barrier between yeah. people. Um, I, like I said, I, I work better in the networking in-person field, but I definitely have had to learn how to approach things from social media. And there's, that's a whole other ball game in of itself. I yeah. mean, that is constantly changing. Um, and again, whatever I can learn from that, I'd like to hopefully we can put down in this podcast and somebody else can learn from it so they're not having to make the mistakes that I made. Yeah. I made some mistakes doing it, but I've also had some wins from it. So I'm going to try and document that as much as I can. Yeah. But to continue, um, yeah, so, so I work in, in Baton Rouge and just Louisiana in general. But I've also, well, a colleague of mine where uh, located in Florence, Italy, for those who don't know. Um, that is another Keller Williams Market Center over there. And that's anything from investments to if somebody wants to buy a villa to go spend the summer or if they just want to go visit. We can help you out with that too. So, you know, I guess to give a little bit backstory on why I we, I'm in Italy invested in that, which, like you said, is a good investment. Yeah. That is an investment, rather. Uh, we're waiting to see that's a good investment. But again, my risk return on that my yep. risk reward return whatever you want to call and it and it's awesome exactly <laughs> it, so it, there's a bit of experience and adventure with it but at the end of the day i still had to put money into it to be invested in it and there's not a guarantee that it'll turn out how we want it but we're going to work as much as we can and do everything as best we can to ensure that we do make money from it um but reason why i got invested in that is i think italy is going to be a pretty strong market getting out of covid Especially in Sicily. Sicily is, that's where actually where my family is from. Yeah. Um, Sicily could be arguably called Florida in the 80s. It, <laughs> as far as the housing market goes, it is grossly undervalued. You can buy a property in Sicily for like $25,000 that it would cost you hundreds of thousands anywhere in Italy. Yeah. It's the same property. Beautiful. Dude, that is crazy. I know. Yeah. And I, that, that could be a whole other podcast episode just about yeah. what's going on they've got one euro homes and that's like we'll say that for another podcast yeah we'll, Keep get, them on that, the edge. we'll get that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's a little dive into my life as a realtor right mm-hmm. dude that's freaking awesome um and what i was thinking about this uh when you were talking about how you adapted and everything kind of going through your social media platforms to uh meet people and get the word out and stuff like that mm-hmm. Uh, it just kind of cracked me up because um, for those of you listening, um, Patrick is an old soul uh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so um, I, I I don't think you've ever been like the big. No. Yeah, like, I think I might have posted like seven times on my personal account. Yeah. And all of the time I've had it and that's been like six years, six, seven years. Yeah. Like once a year pretty much I average. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it has been a shock for me to have to now i gotta post once or twice a day every single day yeah wow keep it consistent that's working up itself that's a whole other job man yeah yeah i'm sure um so back back to the the topics we kind of digressed there yeah no i I think that was a fantastic uh segue to go into um but we were talking a little bit about um rich dad poor dad and um something that really struck me about rich dad poor dad is when he talks about he says this multiple times in the books um the poor work for money 
where the rich make money work for them. And that really struck me. Um, and it really got me going. You know, I've always, I think he also talks about the fear in using your money for investments um, and kind of overcoming my fear of the stock market was kind of a big deal. Why did you have fear? Because I didn't want to lose all my money. But the thing is, like, it, it, my plan was to build a savings mm-hmm. um, and basically split that up, uh, take a percentage of your savings and invest it, you know? Um, but when I really started to think about it, I was like, well, in the past, I've gone out and gone out to a bar and spent 50 bucks on a beer. Yeah. And I dropped it like at the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, why can't I spend some money on things that are actually assets? Things that are actually going to bring me some income. Mm-hmm. So just kind of getting through my fear about the stock market was the biggest thing. I, I literally went in and I was like, screw it. I'm taking, there's a $4 stock right here. Um, looks good. It was complete speculation, mm-hmm. but... I was like, pulled the trigger on it, and now I'm, I've done it. I got, yeah. you know, I took my first step in there, and I've been just getting more and more into it, especially with the books that that I'm still reading about it, um, which I am reading Intelligent Investor right now, and dude, such a good book. I know you started that a while back. I started, right? but that that is a difficult book to read because it is entirely statistics. Yeah. The whole book is just, a, it's just numbers. Yeah. Numbers and... Uh, academic language. Yeah. Very, very much tailored toward like an economist or somebody who has a master's or a PhD in finance. Yeah. You know, so that was your beginnings in the stock market. A few years ago, I got into it after reading a book called Things Unshakable. Say Unshakable, Unbreakable. I know one of them is a movie. Unbreakable. Unbreakable, Tony Robbins. Unbreakable is a movie. Unshakable. It's yeah. by Tony Robbins, and he wrote that after the 2008 financial housing boom crisis and all that right. stuff. And he interviewed a hundred different, very well-to-do and successful investors, business owners, entrepreneurs, everything. I don't know if he uh, interviewed Kiyosaki, but he Ray Dalio. I think he's what BlackRock, Blackstone. I'm not sure who that yeah, is. Ray Dalio. He's an inve- very successful investor. Gotta um, check him out. Warren Buffett among other people. Right. And he got each of the whole book he explains basics of investing, of just finance in general, retirement planning, just the basics for anybody who has no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. I had no idea about any of this stuff until I read the book and I was like this is this is the book that I needed, you know. Now it's the first book I ever as like self-help, motivation, investing, just growth, personal growth. That was the first book I read. And I was like, "This is the perfect book for me." So, so it really, it really combined like that. Um, oh, you said self help. Uh, mm-hmm. You said motivation, finance, and all that sort of thing. I know we, uh, we, uh, you've read Relentless by Tim. No, you. I have not, but yeah. I've heard great things about it, dude. Fantastic. Um, but my point is, is that I think it's uh, always interesting to see a book that combines books like relentless um where you're talking about motivational books financial books um and you're kind of combining all three of those yeah. things in together that's well, awesome since tony robbins is to to describe him in like one or two words a motivational speaker you yeah, know, yeah that's yeah. that's his forte 
he inco- incorporates a lot of that into the book. But then he's like, well, I have this huge platform. And there's a lot of people that are struggling right now. This is, again, he wrote it after the crisis. A lot of people are struggling right now. Let me take my platform and the connections and the, the influence that he has and interview everybody that he thinks would bring value to other people. Yeah. And he can put that all, conglomerate that all into one book. And at the end of the book, like Warren Buffett goes, all right, this is how I would allocate my portfolio. Ray Dalio does that. And he goes through a handful of other um, successful investors. Dude, that is so I know. It's, it's cool. It's cool. And not a lot of people know about that book, at least people that I've encountered who do read self-help books, financial books, and so on. It's kind of under the radar, but it was, like I said, that was what got me started. And now my library is huge. <laughs> I probably yeah. got over over 150 books just in, in physical copies. And then I've also got audio books, which that's like another 60. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I definitely would recommend that book for sure. Yeah. And if you're somebody who hates reading... Um, oh, I hated reading. Yeah. Dude, just get get getting into reading is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I mean, Patrick has absolutely uh, taken Warren Buffett's advice is that the biggest investment and the best investment that you can make is in yourself. Yeah. Just reading and and educating yourself throughout a lifetime. Education does not stop when you graduate wherever you're graduating from, whether that's eighth grade, high school, college, or otherwise. You can always be reading books. You can always be learning. Well, the question I asked myself around this time when I started reading those books was, all right, so I play guitar. If I want to be as big and famous as Eddie Van Halen or Jimi Hendrix or so on, those guys practice for hours a day. Yeah. If I want to get to that point, now granted it's not a one-for-one comparison like that, but if I want to get to that point, I've got to practice for it. If you read any of these books, by, like autobiographies from these really successful people, one of the things they do every single day is read. Yeah. Something, something of value. Sometimes it could be a, a fictional book, but there's some message they can get from it. Right. Or nonfiction, self-help, personal growth, finance, what have you. They're constantly trying to learn more. Yeah. And how... For me, I wanted my aspiration is to be successful, be a thought leader in Louisiana, maybe in America in itself, or Sicily, or just to, just to be a leader in some capacity. change the world. Yeah, we'll start with Louisiana <laughs> first. <laughs> uh, to be a leader in some capacity and to to make some form of it, some kind of an impact, you know. In order to do that, uh, well, why would I try and change the wheel when I see all these people? Again, it's not a one for one like that. Just reading a book is not going to make you the president of the country right. or to make you a CEO of a country. You still got to put in the work, but it gives you the tools and the motivation and the, the knowledge and ability to think necessary to handle the adversity that comes to you and it's striving for those goals. Right. And it's, it's even just taking those little micro steps because even though just the reading itself, I feel like won't actually, you know, be completely life changing all the time. It's about, the basic um the basic thought of you are what you eat or you are what you yeah. in, put into your body mm-hmm. and reading is putting something into your body yeah. it is actually you know if you put in trash you know if you're watching just garbage or anything of the kind mm-hmm. all the time i mean entertainment's always fun i'm a big rick and morty fan but <laughs> everything in moderation exactly I think, for sure yeah um and that's kind of my point. If you're if you're reading the books to further your knowledge and really get yourself better, 
um, make yourself better every single day, then you're getting your mindset to the point where your mind's like, okay, we're trying to get better in these aspects in X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, one thing that I've come to learn in all of my reading and just in life experience, which is a perfect segue into the next topic, um, you, your value as a person, not necessarily as your personality, but your value in the marketplace as a person is directly correlated to how much value you bring to other people. All right, so in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, was that Dale Carnegie? Yeah. You know, that book was also one of, I think that was probably the second or third book because Tony Robbins mentions that one a lot. A lot of successful people who have maybe written autobiographies, been interviewed, or who just write books all turn back to him. Yeah. There's a reason for that. If everybody's pointing and say, hey, go listen to this guy, you might want to go listen to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dude, um, what a fantastic Oh, it's book. fantastic. And what I've learned from that is, you know, bringing value to people through, through self-education, as for me in real estate, the more knowledgeable I become as a realtor, the better service I can provide to people, which means most likely I'm going to get more and more customers because yeah. I do a good job for them. I'm getting them what they need when they need it for the best price, and I'm adding value to their life in some capacity. But even outside of that, one of the things you wrote down, you were talking about before we started this, was from that from How to Win Friends and Influence People, just a smile. That's it, man. That little little task, if you will, that little thing it takes. It takes less smile, less muscles in your face to smile than it does to frown, right? Right. Yeah. That little bit of work you put in can change somebody's day. It could even change somebody's life. You know, you never know. I, for me, I walk around the lakes to get my exercise. I got to work out at least once a day outside. And just passing by people, and you just smile to them. Maybe say hello, shake your, wave your hand, or something like that. Just that human interaction, that human connection, which a lot of people have lost because of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, just having that little bit of, hey, I see you over there. How you doing? Hope you're having a good day, or something like yeah. that. All can be conveyed with just a simple smile, nod of the head, waving your hand. And it, it brings us back like, hey, we are social creatures. I recognize you. I see you there. I appreciate you. <laughs> like yeah. I said, that, that's getting really deep into just a smile, but a lot of good things come from a smile. Absolutely. You know, uh, you know if you're, if somebody's having just a crappy day, they're really down in the dumps and they're all in their head um, and they're walking around the lakes because they're like, okay, man, I'm going to, you know, get some exercise and try to get some endorphins going and everything of the sort. Um, and they're walking around the lakes and they start getting deep into your head. Then boom, Pat starts walking my way and he smiles and says, hey, how's it going? I'm like, oh, hey, Pat pulled me into the back into the real world. I'm out of my head. Um, you know, it, it just brightens up people's day. Yeah. Just seeing a smile, absolutely. And well, that's it sounds so childish because yeah. people always say that a smile could always change your day, but it's absolutely true. Well, even with the, the – there's a lot of different things I'd like to talk about with this, but with like Tony Robbins, he uses a smile as a way to pull yourself out of an emotion. If you're upset, if you're angry – by forcing yourself into a different physical state, you're going to change your emotional and mental state as well. Right. And Just smiling when you're in a negative emotion will actually trigger, trigger muscle memory to start releasing serotonin mm -hmm. and dopamine and will actually put you in a better mood. Yeah. And then the, to use the phrase you use to pull you out, I've noticed that, you know, sometimes I just I get lost in daydreaming or just kind of get lost when I'm walking. Maybe I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a podcast or something. I'm just kind of carelessly list going through about my day when I'm walking. But if I see somebody and they 
direct eye contact, look at me and smile, that pulls me right back into reality. Right. Kind of in my own little, little, in my mind, it pulls me back like, hey, you know, I'm a real person. I'm here right now. And it just, it makes you aware of the moment. And yep. through, again, a lot of my reading, that's one of the best ways to make yourself happy is to just focus on the moment. If you focus on tomorrow, next week, too much, you build an anxiety. Absolutely. You get become anxious, then that's a whirlwind in and of itself, you know. So starting with a smile is like one of the simplest things you can yeah. do. Man, we started with a smile and we ended up with, um, what would it be, Buddhism? Um, uh, to a degree. I, well, sorry. Buddhism and Taoism, mostly. Taoism, mm, yeah. Um, I actually just, uh, just a couple months ago, I finished up reading... Um, the Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts. Okay. Have you ever heard of Alan Watts? I have. Dude, awesome. He has lectures on YouTube. Uh, y'all should definitely go check him out. He's fantastic. Um, but I read that, and then I read The Tao of Pooh. Okay. Which, basically, it's kind of funny. It takes... Um, Mr. Tim Schutz is a world, religion te- world religions teacher at Catholic High, and we actually read an excerpt of The Tao of Pooh in high school. Um and so he kind of turned me on to it, but I actually finally read the the whole thing. Mm. And they both kind of correlate with each other, which is how I kind of deciphered on top of what I already know. I know a little bit about the different um, religions, but it they my point is they both talk about focusing on today, especially the wisdom of insecurity, the best day, and the only real tangible piece of time is right now. And now, and now, every second that goes by, this point right now, that point, it was now the past. Mm -hmm. You're focusing on right now, every single second that it's coming at you. Um, And really time works just how you're walking. There's, There's just that slight little piece of time where you're pushing off of your last step and setting up your next step. You know, you have your foot in front of you, you're going heel to toe. And then essentially next thing, Next step, next step, next step. It's constantly moving and just focusing on those different tasks kind of pulls your brain away. It's not going to start overthinking everything else around you and all of your relationships, how your life is going, everything of the sort. Because when you start overthinking it, um, just basic behavioral psychology, you can really start going down a negative, the negative loop. Yeah. Um, well, I think this is a good point to throw in. Uh, what we're doing right now, not as far as the podcast, but what we're doing, this program that we're doing right now. Right. Right. So at the beginning, Henry mentioned Andy Frisella. That's what got you started with the Real AF podcast. So Andy Frisella came up with a program called Live Hard. And the prereq is called 75 Hard. A lot of people have probably at least heard of that, if not tried it. Um, We both finished it, and now we're both in phase one. And one of the, the tasks, one of the things you have to do in phase one, is eight critical tasks a day. Now, I think you can attest to this. Trying to throw in, you think eight tasks, oh, it's not horrible. You've, you've got to be intentional about yeah. every single hour, every single minute of what you're doing throughout the day so that you can get everything done. In addition, those eight tasks, in addition to your two workouts, yeah. and reading your book, and meditating. And then and everything that you have to adapt to during the mm-hmm. day that changed. Exactly. <laughs> like my parents are trying to sell my house, so I'm trying to get my eight critical tasks done and everything else. And they come up to me and they're like, Henry, we really need your help cleaning X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. So 
all you have is right now. But if you can try and plan as best you can throughout the day to to make your acts intentional. That's one of the words I think Andy uses is intentionality, right? Being intentional. Every single action that you do needs to be intentional. Right. Now doesn't that it can be intentional to sit at home and relax with your family, with your girlfriend, boyfriend, brother, sister, mom, dad, what have you. Watch TV. Like that can be intentional because we do need time to relax. You can work overwork yourself. But also you need to be intentional <clears throat> about when you wake up, about when you work out, about what tasks you get done each and every single day. Because, you know, I'm guilty of it. I try and reach for the moon tomorrow, but I've got to take, like Andy says, and we're going to quote him a lot, so get used yeah. to it. <laughs> one plus one <laughs> equals two. a big influence exactly. in our lives. One plus one equals two. Take each task one step at a time. Right. And those little little wins are going to inevitably, at the end of 10 days, 20 days, 30 days, a year, five years, 10 years, that's going to create something. Yeah. One one win a day is great. Now that we're doing eight tasks a day, that's 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 pretty significant. Yeah, I'm dude, I'm getting stuff done. Yeah. Like I I'm, I know you are too. Mm-hmm. Like you are rolling when you're on uh phase 1. Oh, certainly. I, I can't wait to see how phase 3 is going to turn out. Um but actually talking about that 1 plus 1 equals 2 deal, I really found that during 75 hard. Uh I actually wrote that down on my notes during it because mm-hmm. um, I was at the beginning of it, I was kind of like looking at the path and being like, Oh man, like 75 days. It looks so long, especially if you're looking at the chart, you're like, man, that is so daunting. That's two and a half yeah. months. I felt like I was on day 35 for four weeks. <laughs> yeah. dude. I was on day 71 for about two years. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And that was already at the end of it, which I had already learned this lesson, but it's, it's constantly reapplying this stuff. You know, it's, it's never just, it'll go away if you don't keep practicing it. Yeah. But one of the things that I, I realized during like day 25 was only look at, at your end goal to make sure you're going in the right direction not to see how close you are. You are trying to hit balls to the wall all the time to get to your end goal, but you don't want to look at how far away you are because that, to me at least, that is so, that it's an inherently negative thought. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh man, I'm so far away, and then boom, you're unmotivated. But if you're keeping that mindset on, this is where I'm trying to go, this is what I'm going to do to accomplish that, that's really what the eight critical mm-hmm. tasks really help me. And that, and combining that with the visualization really helps. Um, You know, taking those eight things and being like, okay, this is going to help me get there by this. This task is going to help me get to this piece of my visualization because of this. Yeah. So you're really kind of hitting the domino effect Mm -hmm. with that. Now, I'd like to throw out, not a warning, but a a heads up. Henry and I both study a lot of philosophy and we can get pretty deep (laughs) down rabbit holes of the inner workings of our mind and how we can unravel certain phrases or thoughts. Um, So there's going to be times when we do go down those paths. So bear with us. Or if you enjoy it, hang on for the ride. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be trying to fix the world's problems in about five minutes. (laughs) But to, to, to kind of jump onto that point, I've been talking with a lot of people recently just, you know, the state of the world is kind of crazy right now, to be quite honest. And one thing I've deduced just from conversations with people and my own thought is that there's a lot of people nowadays that are just unaware, which you could uh, liken 
to a lack of intention, but being unaware in, for example, how not smiling to somebody can affect somebody versus how smiling can affect somebody's day or unaware of how every little action that you do throughout the day is a reason of why you are where you are. Right. You know, and awareness is simple of a word as it is, carries so much weight every single day in just our lives. Define that for me. Awareness? Well, I don't know what the technical definition is, but for me, it's, it's really just being focused on what you are doing every single day and make, uh, uh, I, again, I liken it to intention. Having intention with what you do, making sure that, all right, for example, if somebody cuts you off on the road, you could get mad, but you don't know what they're going through. If they curse you out on the road because you cut them off, well, maybe they're just aggravated because you cut them off and so be it. That's the way it is. Or they could have just gotten fired from their job. You don't know what's going on, but try and be aware of just the situation. Most people yeah. I've come to realize, not most people, a lot of people, embrace their emotions too much without considering logic. Yeah. They focus so much, this is how I feel, so therefore I am. Yeah. Rather than think, well, this is how I feel. Why do I feel this way? And then let me take a step back before I act. Now, sometimes yeah. you need to act emotionally. Fight or, flight or, fight or flight, right? Sometimes you need that adrenaline and run away. But sometimes you also need to take into account, hey, I'm feeling this way because there is a danger. Now what do I do? You know, or I'm feeling this way because maybe I'm nervous before I give a speech. All right, how can I calm myself down? Rather than just letting that snowball into now I can't, I can't speak at all because I'm too nervous. And I'm not saying don't feel emotion because that's not true. Yeah, I still feel emotions, but embrace the emotion and control the emotion, yeah. essentially. But it's, again, it, being aware of what's going on. Yeah. Um, what's his name? It starts with a D. But he didn't say, uh, I feel, therefore I am. He said, Descartes. Descartes. Yeah, right. Descartes. Um, but he said, I think, therefore mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. My emotions are not always under my control, but I can always control my reaction to my emotions. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. A little philosophy for the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, I hope y'all enjoyed listening. This has been Comfortably on Fire. My name is Henry Perret. Patrick Ross Campisi. And y'all have a very great night.